There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 482. We're going to be taking At Midnight on the road. Let's see if anyone's going to see our show live. Because it actually works really well live. We did it for... You know, all summer leading up to when we actually went on the air, we did it at our Nerd Melt space. And um, it's a really, really fun live show. So we're going to do it at the South Beach Comedy Festival April 4th. Tickets are on sale for that. I believe uh, the website is southbeachcomedyfestival.com. Easy enough. And then uh, also, I'm going to be doing stand-up in New York. I don't know if tickets are on sale yet, but I think it's like May 1st, 2nd, 3rd. I'm going back to Caroline's, uh, which I love. So if tickets are not on sale by the time this podcast goes up then they will be soon so uh yeah so i'm gonna working out the new hour shooting a new special in uh, several months uh so come on out also like to thank stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of nerds podcast don't go to the post office why would you do that why do you like punching yourself in the soul uh use stamps.com that's all you need to do just get a stamps.com account you can print out the exact postage you need whenever you want at any hour it doesn't close. There, a little gate doesn't come on your, down your computer like when 501 hits. You can do it whenever you want. And then the, your, your kindly mail carrier will come pick it up from your hands and take it to its destination. So stamps.com. Use it. Use the offer code NERDISH. You're going to get a $110 bonus offer including a $55 of free postage and a digital scale. Don't wait before you do anything else. Go to stamps.com. Click on the microphone on the top of the homepage and type in Nerdist. That is stamps.com. Enter the promo code Nerdist. This episode is Kit Harrington, who is so fucking cool. Katie, how cool is Kit Harrington? How, seriously, how cool is he Kit Harrington? He was really cool. He was... <laughs> His hair was really cool. It was so much cooler than all of our hairs. I'm sorry. You have cool hair, Katie. <laughs> But we, Kid, have, we have similar hair. I was you and Kit have hair. similar hair. Yeah, I was looking at his hair. But his is, um, it's just... Better. It, you have cool hair, but his is just dreamy. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know how else to say it. He's just, you know. Um, but uh, uh, Pompeii is a movie that he's in, which uh, hits theaters today, February 21st. And of course, he is Jon Snow on Game of Thrones back April 6th. He did a fun little thing for us on At Midnight last night. And uh, we had a really nice time. So, you know, he's just one of those guys where you're like, fuck, man, I want you to hang out with that guy. I just, I just want some of the cool stuff to rub off. And he's not even he's not even trying to be cool. He's just that's what it is, Katie. You cannot Oh, he's just cool. He just yeah. is. He just is. Yeah. So uh please enjoy uh soaking up some palatable and non threatening cool uh in your ear holes today for the Nerdist Podcast number four eighty two with our new pal Kit Harrington. Let's just say we're friends with him now. I Katie. would love to be friends with him. So. <laughs> Katie, yep. you're you're hurting my arm. <laughs> Let me go. <laughs> Now entering Nerdist.com. The exposed brick. Yes, thank you. I, I, I say that like I had anything to do with it. I, uh, there were walls there before, but I was like, take the brick out just in part of the room. And then build this out weirdly and put a closet there that we'll never use. You know, they've just sort of, they've sort of stuck us in this room, and I actually really like it. Yeah. Uh, we had to put a carpet down because it was a little echoey, but man, it's not bad. It's not bad. It feels industrial. How do you feel about this desk? Does it feel like not a good podcast desk as a guest? I feel I feel you could you could get a big oak one to match your exposed you so? brick. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Katie. And, oak desk. 
And a leather armchair, maybe. <laughs> leather, and then a smoking jacket. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and then uh, just slippers, no pants, and a pipe. <laughs> I'll just come in, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Next time I come back, that's what I want to see. <laughs> that's what I want to see. <laughs> it'll happen, all right? I promise it'll happen. I feel like so. it would be so great if so much of the world was just like Playboy After Dark in the late 60s. <laughs> where everyone was just like, everything was a cocktail party. You know? It can be, Chris. That's no, the thing. kid, it can't. <laughs> It can't for me anymore. We met at uh, the was it the Seven Sun panel? It was at it was at Comic Con. Yeah, and you were wearing a gun holster. Yes, I was. I was dressed as my one of my favorite video game characters from Bioshock. Right. Yeah. Do you play games at all? As you know, I'm not a huge gamer. I'm, no. I'm big into um, FIFA football. Sure. Yeah. Do you course. play that? No. No. It's so so addictive. I love that. Um, I just if I understood what we call soccer. Yeah. Um, if I understood a little bit better. I've, and I've really tried. I, 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 have friend, I have a friend who has a, a really huge like football podcast. Uh-huh. And I've really tried to get him to teach me. the. And, and, and do you know Dominic Monaghan at all? Yeah, I met him. Dom is a yeah, yeah, yeah. huge soccer fanatic. Yeah, he's... Uh, now, let me get this right. He's a Manchester United fan. Is he really? Yeah, he is. Okay, is that good if or I've bad? If I've got that wrong, then is I'm that, sorry. Is that good or bad from your point of view? That's a great thing. Oh, that is good. But oh. not so good at the moment because we're doing terribly. So, But it, it, him being a Manchester United fan is wonderful. So was this just part of the... When you grew up, like, it's just part of your culture of growing up and you never questioned it? You were like, well, this is awesome. and the, Or do you really... Do you re- is there something really special about it that you see when you watch it? I'm I'm what they call a true red in that I've never been to Manchester. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the team. Yeah, no, I grew up next to a, uh, we're very close with this Irish family, and in Ireland there's a, a big culture of supporting Manchester United or Liverpool, yeah. and um, they were all big Man United fans, and I, I kind of by osmosis. Followed it because my parents were never big sports people, so me and my brother got it through the family that we lived next to. Usually, it comes down generations from your parents. Sure, yeah, it's like that in America too. Yeah, where it's you know like they have the flags on the cars and all of the we like Minnesota, everything's purple. You know, <laughs> college football here. Is there any is there any equivalent to college? Sports fanaticism. We never, we've never got that in the UK about the American thing, and I, I think what it is for you guys, it's more interesting to watch, isn't it? Isn't sometimes it's really, really exciting. It's more exciting than the actual sport. I guess that's what someone told me. As nearly as I've been able to figure, the thing that is more exciting about it, and maybe you told me this, Katie, is just that no one's getting paid. Yeah, no, one gets paid. no one gets paid, and they really have to try harder because there's so much at stake. Yeah, that so you can that you get to follow you get to follow their careers. Where where did you grow up exactly? London. You grew up in London. I grew up in London for eleven years, and then a place called Worcester, Worcestershire, mm-hmm. uh, for the next until I was eighteen, and then came back to London. So I consider myself a London boy. Yeah, strictly I should be an Arsenal fan because I live right near their stadium. But um, I'm going to get lynched for this. <laughs> <laughs> you are not in America. Most I'm most Americans get are like, for this. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. What is that? I yeah, don't know. that's true. That I don't know true. all that British shit. What's he talking about over there? <laughs> That's not the Niners. Yeah, it's but um, it can split people up in 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 say Liverpool. Oh yeah, I've got friend. I've got friends friends family who they now don't. Well, I say friend. I, I wouldn't associate with these people, but <laughs> but they've got a friends family who who um like the the son supports Everton and they're all Liverpool fans and it's literally broken the family up. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. well I know. I remember being in. Um, one of the first times I ever spent any length of time in, in London, just kind of going into these dive bars and seeing, like, no colors. Like, you weren't allowed yeah. to wear your team colors. Yeah, where we film Game of Thrones in Belfast, it's very serious. You're not allowed to wear uh, sports a football team shirt, especially Manchester United. I mean, right? hooligans will bite your fucking fingers off. Yeah. Like in, in bar, yeah. bar fights. Yeah, you really don't want to. <laughs> and you're just, uh, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm an actor. I just want to enjoy a game. Why yeah. does it have I'll to... I definitely don't say you're an actor. Then you definitely get limp. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but they must recognize you now, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. And uh, Belfast is like a home to us now. It's, um... It's, you know, the first year we did it, maybe even the second year, they could not give a shit. They did not care. <laughs> they did not care. They're like, they didn't really understand what it was. And then suddenly it blew up with the third season. And, um, and now it, it feels like, but it's a lovely city and they kind of welcome us in and we're very, very, we're very proud to be there. And they honestly are, they, they don't bother you too much. They're just 
holler at you in the street. It's great. Do you have any civilization nearby when you're shooting, or do, do you like just like go out into? I mean, yeah. I, I feel like you spent a lot of a lot of the last couple seasons just like roaming through really inhospitable terrain. <laughs> was there was there a nice hotel for you at the end of that day or? yeah i mean iceland is pretty remote that's where we do all the kind of out exterior snowy scenes um they will do things that really that really you you, you think is stupid on their part by because you could lose an actor <laughs> i remember i got told to walk out on a frozen lake once and they they said keep keep going Keep keep going. I was. Is this is this safe? No. We're finding out. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's find out together. You're with, finding with out? your body. Let's find yeah. out together. We're finding out. I'll tell you what. You if you fall in, then no. How about that? If you fall in, then the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. No. Very remote. The very remote place. Very beautiful places that we film, including Northern Ireland and Iceland. I haven't yet to go to Croatia where they film the sunny kind of warm bits um, <laughs> I'm going to go on a set visit next year if we go back there and then um, just see what it's like oh this is yeah. fucking nice because they all they all come back glowing from it and then saying how you know miserable it is where I film and I, so I'm going to go out and see it <laughs> it's a funny it's funny how you know when you're young and it's like acting is this thing where you're emoting and you really show someone what a character is and then a lot of your job is like all right, your hands are tied together, and you're walking from that crag to those rocks over there. And just go. Backwards, yeah. backwards. <laughs> just go. I've, and then I've you're going to do that. it ten times. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, this, I think this is acting. I think backwards in a snow blizzard next to a 500-foot drop, that was the, on ice. That was oh, the, Jesus. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, when I say it, it can be dangerous. It can be really dangerous. It's the, um, but to, to get some of the stuff we need to do, we need to go to these incredible places where... I don't know how they how they film in some places. We'll end up going into a huge snowdrift, and we're there for the day because you can't get back to a warm up vehicle. So you have to be out in minus thirty for the entire day. It can it can get really extreme, but it's um it's be- the beauty of the place always takes you through. Well, I'm such a huge pussy about the environment. <laughs> like I just like warm things. Yeah. I've lived all over the country, and I get it cold. I get it. I don't need it in my life, and I. And when I'm watching, particularly when I'm watching your scenes, I really can't get my head out of like, that looks fucking miserable. Like, you know, like there's only so much encampment they could build around that yeah. where you guys are shooting to make sure that everyone's. So I get asked, why is Jon Snow so miserable? And I'm like, <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen where he is? Wouldn't you be? Um, no, but yeah, it's, it, 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 it can get tough. It can get very, very cold. Yeah. Do you feel that, uh, uh, like, the response when you first got the job, you know, where you're like, oh, this, you know, book series, great. And then, you know, like, Game of Thrones just became, like, Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, now it's this cultural phenomenon. Yeah, it's the cultural phenomenon bit, which is, which is incredibly surprising and amazing to me. You know, it would have been lovely if the show was just a hit and it had viewers, but it's the way it's sort of in a kind of, I guess, Star Wars, Star Trek, that kind of thing, sure. pop culture type way is sort of seeped into 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 everyday lives in a strange sort of way that I find I find fascinating and, and it's and the way that not it's been said before, but not only a, a certain demographic has embraced the show, but but the wider it's embraced a lot of people have embraced it you know not just kind of geeks and what have you yeah it's um and that's what surprises me about it every every day that that it's still on well i think you know there was a sort of old idea um in entertainment that you know if a show had dragons on it it was probably for nerds and that's probably you know but but when it's but when the story like you know like when you really get caught up in the characters of the story it almost doesn't even really matter if it, they're dragons or dolphins or if there are no animal, like it's just it's a story. <laughs> we haven't had dolphins. <laughs> I'll suggest it to the writers. See if we can get Snow it. No dolphins. No dolphins. Not in the book. <laughs> but come on. Yeah, I'll talk to George. Maybe in the Would next. Would you ask George? Just yeah, to, I will. I'm speaking to him soon. You know, I'll George has been on the podcast before, and I think what we do learn about George mm-hmm. is that he loves it when people come up and go, you know what you should do, George, and then just follow it up with a bunch of suggestions. I think that is, I think that would Does really make genuinely it. love that? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I mean, like, if you're, you know, if you're a creator of anything, you know, people always kind of have their own ideas of what you, oh, you know what you should yeah. do. And it's like, yeah. Oh. I always tell people, like, 
well, no, you should do that. You could go make a thing. Why do I have to make that thing? <laughs> if you want snow dolphins, go write about fucking snow dolphins. It's the way he's pursued by certain fans that I don't understand. It's that I, I believe he gets seriously insulting letters through from people saying, finish it, finish it. That's passion. And it's passion. <laughs> but I, I'm always like, ah, you wouldn't have it if he wasn't there. You know, it's that kind of strange pursuit of it that I well we are you know as as much as i am uh i'm a i'm as much a consumer as anyone else Mm -hmm. of anything and so i do understand when you find something and you must you must have stuff that you're a rabid fan of too Mm. but when you find something that just sort of fills that little gully in your soul a little bit yeah that you just you start to personalize it and you want more of it and then you want it in the way that you need it, you know? <laughs> so it's sort of like, I think we kind of have unhealthy relationships to, <laughs> to our entertainment now. Yes. Yeah, I get, well, I guess. But it's, um, I think it, I've been a rabid fan of things before. Um, but I have to detach, because I get that, but I have to detach myself. I have to, I remember I watched it, when I was watching Sopranos, I got ill. And it had already all come out, and I had all the box sets. And I found myself watching it non-stop, you know, and I had the, the liberty of time on my side. And at one point, I was halfway through season four, I think, and I got out of bed where I was watching it and went to the fridge, and I opened the fridge like Tony Soprano did, and I was looking, <laughs> I was looking for things in the fridge, and I was eating like him. And it's that sort of investment that I'd spent so much time watching this character that, not intentionally at all, I was acting like him, uh, which was very strange. <laughs> so that's why, see, now I want to see Game of Thrones, you're like, well, these fucking White Walkers over here? What are, you guys? <laughs> yeah. are you fucking serious? Yeah. I'll bring in. I'll so bring in a bit of soprano. In, you could just drop in a little bit of that. Do you ever want to do? Do you ever? Are there are other because t- I know Pompeii is coming out uh-huh. in, a, in a couple of days, and uh, you know that just is like another sort of epic. But boom, you know, mm-hmm. like, do you ever think like, oh, maybe I should just do like a romantic comedy or like a, you know, like where there are not on a beach yeah, in Hawaii, on a beach, or it all takes place in an apartment and it's a Bridget Jones style misunderstanding. Like, do <laughs> you, you think, do you ever think like, I just want to shoot something that's simple that's not like on such a massive scale? Maybe one day, but I, I think I feel like I'm, I've done, I feel like thrones came along and then i really enjoyed that genre i really enjoyed what i was doing and and that led to other things in the sim in a similar category and and pompeii included and i i yeah i had no real desire at the time at recently to do that manhattan apartment slightly <laughs> comedic role and it's only now after i've i feel like i've filled my quota a bit now with that certain type of genre that i'm looking for other stuff but no i'm not I'm not looking for the quirky rom-com yet. Okay, no. That's you know still, still to come. And you, cause you're still, you're still young and you, you have adventure hair. Like your hair. <laughs> hair. Is adve- like if you were in one of those rom-coms, I feel like Bridget Jones would be like, you should be on a dragon. Like it's like your hair looks like you should be in an adventure movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all thanks to Thrones. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it can't change just yet. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it does, you, you get a certain, image because of something and then that you know if i was going to do something contemporary i'd be the stoner guy or something right you think so well yeah but i mean what i'm trying to find now is things that fit in to and actually one of the projects i'm about to do i'm playing a spy in modern day london and i can still have this hair and actually it mixes up the whatever the kind of uh the the assumption is in what a spy should look like i quite like playing with the idea that no, well, he's not going to look like that. He's going to look like me. Do you have what's your what's your shooting schedule for Thrones? Like, how much of your year does that take up? Pretty much um, six months. Oh, six months. Yeah. Oh, that's not months. bad actually. But it's it's on and off within that six months, so it's quite sure. sporadic. So this season that we've just done, um, I, I was doing a lot over those six months. It's the most I've ever done, so I was in for quite a bit of it. But generally, the last three seasons, it's you know, you're two weeks here, a week off, back for another week back for two days and you're back and forth from london so it's quite free well that's nice which is nice yeah yeah do you take time off do you like do you, do you yeah i do i mean i quite like i've traveled around ireland a bit i don't like just going back to london i like you know if i'm in a place and i've been flown to that place i like to see as much as i can or try and yeah. take adventures what's yeah. the what's the bit you know i i've been all over england and i've been all over scotland and then i'm ashamed to say that i've not been to ireland so what 
Where should I go? Should I should I hit Belfast? Where should I go first? Donegal. Okay. I went to Donegal recently. It's on the west northwest coast of uh, Ireland, and it is just it's a st- astoundingly beautiful place and a great Guinness and just you know the whole. I mean, that's where I'd say I'd go. But I mean, I've yet to go to Dublin. I've only I've spent a lot of time in Belfast. I haven't been to Dublin yet. Yeah, I hear that's fun. Have you been around America a lot or just kind of coastal? I've been around America a bit. I, I, I've mainly on work. So I've been to San Fran. I've been to Philly. I've been to Washington. I've been to Seattle. I've been to... But it, the, one of the, maybe the problems with acting sometimes is you're flown into these places for a day and you see a Four Seasons and that's, yeah. that's it. So I've seen a lot of Four Seasons hotels around <laughs> North America. But um, it's important. I, I like taking trips just as, to travel, just to see places so while i've been here i went out to joshua tree i you know i I wanted to go and go up to big sur but i didn't have time so i try and take time out to do that rather than just seeing cities yeah big sur is nice i mean it's it's there's there's not much i mean i've been to big sur a handful of times and you just kind of you get out and look at it and go i'm supposed to do something i don't know what i'm supposed (laughs) to do other than, I guess, appreciate these trees and the coastline, you know. Just scuffle about amongst the trees. Did you drive up the one? Did you drive? You haven't driven up the one yet. Uh, what's the one? The one is the uh, the the PCH. Like it, it's, it's oh the yeah, coastal. yeah yeah. I've driven up the PCH. Yeah yeah. It kind of scares me a little bit. Like it it's a, but you're used to well, you're the used expanse to sh- of the water and the space. It's and- the I have a weird like being on, and this is like most of what you shot on Thrones last season, but just being on cliffs. And just sort of like driving on cliffs. Even if I'm on the inside of the mountain, I still yeah. feel like, what if I just veer the car off on the thing? Like it's that I, fear of jumping, isn't it? It is the fear of jumping. It's, the fear, it's not the fear of the height. It's the fear of jumping. Yes, what if I, I have exactly the same really? thing. Yeah, yeah, what I if do. I can't stop myself? What yeah. if I just jump? I'm that close. I could just jump. You could I just, could. yeah. Yeah. It's the same next to train tracks and things. What is that? That is, that is sort of a... I don't know. Is that a, is that a mortality thing? Or is it a... Or is it you kind of realizing, like, life is very fragile? Like, I could just jump on that thing and that would be it. I think it's that. I think you're, you're, it's, it's like when you're on, uh, on stage and, and you in the middle of a play and sometimes your head goes, and it's a children's play, and sometimes your head just goes, I could just say fuck right now. <laughs> really loudly. I could do, it's the same thing. It's your, it's your brain. I find it very interesting. It's your brain playing little tricks with you. Yeah, I have a, I have a friend of mine who is a comic went to... Uh, we had another friend who was um, on SNL, and during the musical performance, I don't remember who the band was, but he was like, I could not get the thought out of my head, like... I could just run up and punch that guy in the balls real fast. <laughs> like I could just do it, and and then, of course I would get dragged away. Yeah. But for a split second on live television, <laughs> I would punch this guy in the balls. Yeah. I don't know who. It, I, don't, I don't remember who it was. I really don't remember who it was. But but that you. Oh, just, don't do this. I've got to do live TV later, and now you're you're putting all sorts of really bad things in my head. You're putting really bad things in my head, Chris. <laughs> it's almost like you're going to be watching something later, and I'm just going to run up and punch the host in the balls. <laughs> Can Harry just punch Conan O'Brien in the balls? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Conan's very tall, so you like they're easy to hit. You can totally, you can totally hit him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that mechanism of the brain is. Yeah, it's I. I find it endlessly interesting. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I do, but yeah, I don't like being next to Cliff for the same exact reason. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you started to do something really crazy and be like, "Wait, what am I doing?" I stop myself. I have, actually, I have. I have done done that before. I'm trying to. It, yeah, I, I stop myself before doing. I, can't, I won't say what it is. <laughs> was, it, was it evil? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, you got a nice smile, but inside, is there is there a black heart beating in your chest, Kit Harrington? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> the casual nature with which you said that makes me think that yeah. it's that it is a dark evil. Yeah. What did you study in school when you were growing up? When I was growing up, I studied. I was very very interested in. Uh, English literature and I was very very interested in photography and I was interested in history and drama and it was those I actually wanted to be sort of go into journalism I thought that was a kind of interesting place to to go into and 
age, be a, a war correspondent or something. And in fact, it was more the performance of that that I was enjoying. So it was the drama that I ended up doing. And I couldn't, I was just not good enough of photography to, to do it. <laughs> I, I took terrible photos. I what? still take terrible photos. <laughs> no, you have a, I'm sure you have a smartphone. Everyone takes great photos now. You just fucking slap oh, got, a filter I, on there. I got a, um, a Polaroid recently. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the little Instagram. Yeah. And, and that's the, the theory behind that is I'm technologically disabled. I can't do anything with my computer. I, got, I haven't uploaded my iPhone for, well, since I got it. You should really like back two, that shit up. Two years ago. You don't want to lose all this. I don't know how every time I plug it in, it says... It says you will lose all your music if you update it now. So I go, well, I'm not going to update it. Then. <laughs> I don't. Someone needs to help me with this. But anyway, I t- I got that Polaroid because I I found that I was taking lots of photos and they weren't meaning anything to me. <laughs> but with a Polaroid, you've got ten shots. Each shot is a dollar. You want, and you don't want to waste it all. So you you take it. You and it's the memory that you remember now that. Because of that little Polaroid. Oh, that's a really interesting idea. I think it's great. I, I would. I, I am loving having this Polaroid. And not, and I would... only, not only that, but because the interface is so simplistic, it you're you can't cheat the composition of those no. pictures in any way. So not it really. really does have to. Oh yeah, I never thought about that before. Because I, I mean, you know, my phone, my phone has. Um, I think about eleven and a, and, and a half thousand pictures. Bloody on it. hell. Yeah, uh, my camera roll is 11,972 pictures. Wow. And I feel like I'm logging all of these things for some reason that I don't know what that is. Yeah. I never go through all these pictures. So what is it that I feel like I'm documenting? Well, exactly. And they start becoming sort of meaningless. And I, I think it's great having a phone on you all the time and everyone's got a camera and they're very good quality now. But I think if you compose something... And and you take a shot like I was in Joshua Tree and took a shot of something, and I I now remember the the moment the event more because of me taking only that many photos with this Polaroid. See, that's a really nice artistic way to look at it. I think I'm just a hoarder, and <laughs> I would rather be able to. T- I wouldn't be able to carry around eleven thousand nine hundred Polaroids everywhere. Yeah. So for me, it's just like up. Oh, I think it's just like owner, owning owning things in the world. I own that now. Well, now I own that. I own that thing. You know, it's just I'm collecting something, but I don't know what the ultimate end game is. Yeah, well, the, it's finding an end game for me. That's the thing. I want to I want to book a palpable thing that I can look through and and I can write next to it. This was here. This was then. That's what. I, that's the theory behind. Do you know what you're doing then? That's journalism. Ah, you're, you're going back. You're I'm gonna, reverting. You're reverting, and then at some point in your life or career, you're going to go, you know what? I have enough pictures to make a book, and here are some experiences that are uniquely Kit Harrington experiences. Exactly, and I think that I've got into the acting world, and I think it, uh, how horrible it is. So why don't I go back to journalism <laughs> and photography? Well, it's nice, particularly for, you know... Um, I mean, a lot of actors are just sort of like, oh, we just shoot in L.A. or, you know, I never really travel to shoot anything. But but you are someone who gets sent all over the world to mm. shoot stuff. So you really have an interesting perspective and access to areas and places that most people probably wouldn't have. And, so, and stories from those places. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing to collect because... You know, I was shooting Pompeii in Toronto, and, and now I know a lot about Toronto, and I feel I know a lot about the Canadians, and, I've, and I love the place, and I can, someone mentions Toronto in conversation, and I come up with a few stories about Toronto, and, and then it's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. What's your favorite thing about Toronto? Favorite thing about Toronto? The ice hockey was pretty good. Oh, yeah, you like yeah, I got really yeah. into the ice hockey. It was, um, it's the closest thing we have to blood sport, and I, I am a, I, I, I'm a big fan of that. It used to be so much worse, too. They've toned it down. They have, I know. They used to like not wear helmets, and you could just knock a guy's grill down his fucking throat. And now yeah. it's like, and they, were, and they were fine with that. I'd never seen it before, and I went to see, and I was doing a Gladiator movie, and so I went to see, you know, I went to see a, an ice hockey match, and it was a wonderful kind of... Um, sort of juxtaposition yeah. in a way that it was it was very close to a gladiator ring they dropped their gloves and I couldn't believe it they they were allowed to go at each other yeah everyone's and, like that's fine and they all jump up and their blood gets high and it's, I think yeah. it's, it is actually one of the sports that I I enjoy going to see I, I can't really watch on television but when you see it live like yeah. when you're there it really is like first of all 
everyone's they're essentially wearing these exoskeletons <laughs> and they have to they have to whip back and forth yeah. at light speed like the 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 athleticism is is pretty astounding it's insane i have a huge amount of respect for for ice hockey players and now having gone and see and you're right i can't i'm not i don't like watching football matches soccer matches yeah. live because i feel like i could be watching it at home on a couch with a TV and I get to see close-up and replays. It's, right. I mean, that makes more sense to me. With, with ice hockey, there is something about it watching it live that it's incredibly exciting. Yeah, you really... I know. Watching it... I don't think I've ever seen a... I don't think I've ever been to a soccer match, but, it, but I'm sure, you know, particularly back where you're from, it's just like you're in a giant stadium. Yeah. And you're way, 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 way far away and you just kind of just see this little ping-pong ball. Yeah. It's like, boop. Oh, I think it's over there. I don't yeah. know where are those guys. I don't know. I'm not paying attention. I you go to drink on. is probably what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You go to watch the sport. Well, it is. I mean, like that. You know, that part I can certainly appreciate about it is is this sort of um, any place where people can become communal. Yeah, you know, and really like come together for something. I guess is good for humanity until they start murdering the shit out of each other. Um, but until that happens, I mean, I, I appreciate that on some level, but. Crowds freak me out now. Yeah, they really. Again, again, I'm with you on that one. I think, well, I think it's it's interesting because it's tribal. I read an interesting piece in the paper the other day about how it's not so much about the football; it's wanting to to belong to a tribe, and it's something yeah. it, very basic instinct in all of us that if we follow music or we follow Game of Thrones or we follow, then we are part of a tribe and we are a collective and we are we belong to something. And I think yeah. it's very much that with football. Yeah, and and I think that. Um, I think the, down, the, the, the kind of thing that bums me out about it is, you know, especially with the explosion of geek culture and pop culture, is that there is a lot of tribalism that, unfortunately, you know, the internet perpetuates, or yeah. at least it provides the platform to perpetuate mm-hmm. this, this tribalism. of Because I like to be very inclusive and make everyone feel like, hey, whatever you like is cool. I don't get your thing, but that's not, you mm-hmm. know, it's totally cool, you know, that... But there's so much like, fuck you, you like that, you know, it's basically just geek hooliganism, you know, yeah. except instead of beating the shit out of each other, it's just all caps, swears <laughs> in a comment thread, you know, and I, and I kind of wonder if that's, I don't know if that's good. I don't it's, know. I think it's a really, really poisonous element of uh, our social media invasion is the anonymity at which people can sit somewhere and insult people sure and i find it cowardly and horrible i really really hate it um and i love i love discussion like you i love discussion on on in any form around a table and on the internet it's great but it's when you can sit there and be anonymous and throw really quite sure horrible insults (laughs) at people (laughs) i really um yeah i i find it really really strange Granted, it's not being in a pub in Belfast and having someone smash a Guinness pint against your face, but it still is, you know, there's a certain amount of, um, I just wish people would start with trying to understand first. Yes. Okay, what is your thing? I don't understand that. Teach me that thing. This is why I asked you like what you were like about soccer, because I feel like maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe there's something that I can understand about it that would mm. enhance my life in some way. Oh, I think people actually have quite a lot of fun insulting each other. I don't think they sit there and go, <laughs> ooh, that hurt. They just go, right, what can I say back? <laughs> but it's when those people decide to insult public figures or people who are, um, say, an Olympian at the Soki, the Soki Olympics. Sure. Or Soki, or have you said, or an actor or a musician or politician when they decide to start insulting them on that level and that there is no response that can be it can be a really really horrible thing so what are your what are your tribes besides uh manchester united like what other tribes would you consider yourself a part of (laughs) i I did think about this the other day and i'm i'm worried that i'm just part of the actor tribe and that really depresses me (laughs) i need another tribe i've been thinking long and hard about what other tribe i could join yeah um i consider myself a manchester united fan but i think a lot of man united fans would take issue if i said that i was a proper man united fan um i i don't know i i i want to i want to get a hobby and i i would like I would consider my the closest thing I would say is I would consider myself a Londoner, mm-hmm. and that's my tribe. Being a Londoner and being you know British and that that would be my tribe. I think without sounding too patriotic and xenophobic. <laughs> no, listen, I, I think if I uh, 
when I die, if there's a thing that says, uh, Doctor Who style, we're going to pop you back into any point in time and any culture you want. I, I honestly feel like I would want to go back to, I would go to, I would go to London in like the early to mid sixties. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. It feels like a really cool time. Like when, when England was really sort of like exploding with pop culture and music Mm. and art and, you know, and everyone was just. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of them didn't make it through, but <laughs> but the ones that did always have that glint of like that was a good time in their eyes when they think about the sixties. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd go back there as well. I think. I think that my my friend's mum told me recently that she was at a party in the sixties, and um, this quite wild haired guy, this mad guy, came down the stairs took one look at her, snogged her, and walked off. And it was Jimi Hendrix. I was like, come on, that now that is a claim to fame. That's a good story. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good story. Now I feel like there would be a, a harassment lawsuit. Yeah. Something. It, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't go over. Someone from well. One Direction snogs yeah. him. <laughs> Not Harry Styles. <laughs> um, but I just, I don't know, there was something about... And, and we had it a bit in this country, too, of just... Sort of coming out of a very that rigid kind of post-war mm. reconstruction era of like we have to rebuild and everyone's work mm-hmm. and you keep your head down and you fit into society mm-hmm. and then the children of those people were like hey we don't have to worry about you know all the stuff you worried about so we got all this free time let's take drugs and fuck each other in the streets like, yeah and and female liberation and, yeah and it, yeah it was a very fascinating time for lots the explosion of, of of rock and and you know now yeah. i just i think about it a lot because i don't know how to define and maybe we won't be able to do this for another decade but i don't know how to define what it is that we're in now i don't know what this era is yeah i i i think this era this era is it, it's it's so so linked to social media to technology to because it burst we forget it burst onto the scene about what seven years ago i remember a time when i didn't have a mobile phone sure I had to meet someone at mcdonald's at exactly that time otherwise you'd lost them forever forever you never saw those people <laughs> yeah. again yeah and oh, now i lost another one and now i see kids walking around and, and I said to someone the other day, oh, you've got to flick through. And instead of, you know, with a book, you know, you used to go like that. I went like that, as in yeah. an iPad. I think, <laughs> I don't know where it's going to go. And I think that's very fascinating. But I think when people look back at this time, it will be dominated by the G of Google, by that Apple symbol there, by it, it'll be those things. And by, you know, I, I, think, I think that that'll be it. Well, I think that I think that we're probably going to enter an era of. I mean, the, the idea of the way that we interface with machines is still kind of archaic in terms of technology. I mean, like we interface with them pretty much the same way mm. that we did. The machines force us to interface with them as as if we were machines. Yeah. So you're like this. You're typing, or even if you're swiping, or even if you're on your phone, you still have this. So how do they? You know when technology sort of weaves more organically into our daily use, you know, is it less obtrusive because it's not, you know, we don't have these things and this, if it's just like, you know, if just the Google glass or if it's contacts that, you know, just, it's going to be people. Now we know when people are, I always find it funny looking into a car and someone's talking to themselves. Yeah. And you realize they're talking. But it'll be that. It'll be a whole load of mental monkeys walking down the street <laughs> talking to themselves. While, and then you'll say something. You have things in your ear and you'll say, um, play, Lord, and it'll play. Right. And stop. And then you can talk. It's, it's, it's scary, but I don't. I hope, it go, I hope it goes in the right way. I hope we use it in the right well, way. Well, I think our attentions are getting. I, I, I think our brains are going to start to evolve to be able to multitask so you won't have to stop playing the classic Lord song oh, and no, have that a conversation with someone. That, that freaks me out. <laughs> because one, one yeah. side of your brain will just be absorbing that song and then the other side will just be having the, the conversation. <laughs> you will see me jump off that cliff. <laughs> you will see that if, that if we get to that. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, England didn't really have the... I mean, in America, you know, when I, when I was growing up in the, in the, in the early 80s, we had this explosion of media you know Mm -hmm. it's like cable television just Mm -hmm. exploded here and it it wasn't really the same for you guys growing up right i mean you had you still had your base four channels or five channels and and uh 
but I, there's there's like cable and satellite now, but it didn't. Wh- I wonder why it didn't catch on as quickly in London as here. See, I don't. I I wouldn't profess to know a huge amount about that. I just remember being very very excited when we heard there was going to be a Channel Five, <laughs> and we waited. <laughs> being incredibly excited and we waited and they, for, for months on end there was this one picture that said Channel 5 coming soon and we'd watch it like oh it could start any minute and they did, did very clever publicity about you know we don't know when it's going to start and you see you'd watch it oh, it could start any second and then it came and it was absolutely terrible <laughs> sorry Channel 5 I'm sorry it's, it was it's almost, wonderful now but, but at the um, time at the time it was pretty dire I just think that's funny to watch just a, a still image of a, of a number 5 and then not knowing is this it is this channel five is it literal it's <laughs> yeah. just the number five it's just that we're yeah. watching it so it's working yeah i i i don't know i think now we definitely do have a similar i i'm a huge huge fan of the bbc and the, the in, in our country taxpayers we pay for the bbc and it it's um supposed to be completely unpolitically you know politically unbiased yeah that i think is a great thing it's not relying on advert advertisement it's if you can have one channel like that, which is Radio 4, if you ever want to listen to a really good radio station, BBC Radio 4 is one of the most wonderful things that we have in the UK because it's so eclectic. One minute you'd be listening to Gardener's World and the next minute it's a, a documentary by Jarvis Cocker on the rise of Britpop. Uh, it's, it, it's brilliant. It's brilliant like that. So I, I'm, I'm, I don't know how I got onto that, but I, I think the BBC is... Well, just talking about having this outlet that isn't um, ruled by advertisers. Yeah. I mean, because we, you know, all the, all the TV stuff I work on is obviously... I work in cable, and cable is not governed by the FCC, mm-hmm. which governs the airwaves. Yeah. Because cable is a different... It's a different delivery system, technically. So... Um, but you know, we still have things we can and can't say because of sponsors. And so it's all ruled. It's Mm -hmm. all ruled by that. But I just don't, you know, I just think America's too big to work that way. I mean, it's just too fucking, there's just too many people that would be like, well, that's not what I want. And that's not what I want. Like we're just, and I think we as Americans have also been raised to feel like, uh, I deserve the exact thing I want, exactly the way that I want it, whenever I want it, and however I want it. You know? Yeah, I, it's it's wonderful in its in its own way. It's just different. I mean, but if I could plug HBO here, I think that's a wonderful, um, that's a great, uh, you know, shape. Uh, what's the word? A great. Um, can't remember the word. A great shape for sure. a, a, a TV company to work in because they we get shows like Game of Thrones with a huge amounts of nudity and violence and and it's because it's paid for by the customers and it doesn't sure. rely on advertising, which is very. Although I feel like the sexy part of Game of Thrones has they've ebbed that in the last se- which you know I was fine with. It. I remember the first season of Game of Thrones and be like, why are there? There's tits in the background, and I'm a guy. I think they're great, but I st- I was just like, I don't know. That's sort of my friends. Uh, my friends, the Sklar brothers, are pair c- c- comedians. And they, the first season, they called Game of Thrones "Tits with a Chance of Dragons." Tits with a chance of dragons. <laughs> yes, that no, that is good. Good but, way of putting it. But I do like that. You know, I do like that. It is. There, it's you know. There's so much about the story now, and obviously, and. Your character had some sexy times uh-huh. in a in a hot spring. In a hot spring, yeah, he he got laid. He did. That is there. We didn't see it, but I think (laughs) I'm always wondering: Did he get laid? Actually, see it. Did he just do that thing, and then and then he didn't actually get laid? He could still be a virgin. And then she was like, "I'm tired." (laughs) Like what? (laughs) No, but like a second ago. Yeah. Um, That to me, uh, I would be one of the. Maybe you're not. I, I would be so terrified to shoot like a love scene where you're exposed with another person and it's it has to seem real but you gotta fake it but they don't want them to feel it. like how how do you arrive at a level of trust with another performer where you're like I'm gonna do things to you and it's pretend but it's okay well you have to you have to it's it's acting and you know the scene's coming up and hopefully you've got a good dialogue with that other actor and 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 you kind of laugh at it, really. It's it's all about that, and it's not fun to watch with your mother afterwards. I watched that episode <laughs> oh, no. with my parents. Oh, I don't know why I chose to do that. No. 
And my mum, my mum said um, it came along. My mum was, yeah, um, I'm just, uh, I'm just gonna get a cup of tea. Does anyone? <laughs> no, you're gonna miss this part. Yeah. It's like everyone busied themselves with things. <laughs> um, no, it's it, to tell a story right in this, especially with this show. You, I believe, have to do, you know, do scenes like that. And I, yeah. I, I was kind of, um, I got lucky. I mean, I, I, I didn't really have to get that naked. Right. Um, which was strange, strange to me, you know. But it, it, I think, yeah, I think you have to sign a nudity clause at the start, and you have to just get on and do it. And it is weird doing it. You sort of like doing a scene like that with a with a, someone you know very well, with another actress. It's it's it can be strange. Well, I think it really. Uh, you just have to find the where where the trust lines are, and you know. Yeah. I'm not. I mean, because it, it's it's a situation that lends itself to abject creepery you yeah, know yeah. like you, you shouldn't be winking at someone in between takes you know, like huh, huh? Yeah. you know like i would i would be so apologetic like i'm so sorry we're supposed to do this I, I don't i don't see what the big fuss is about nudity i think we're all still too victorian about it it's if you're a grown adult uh you've all seen naked bodies what's you know and there's far too much pressure on poor young women to look a certain way absolutely i really believe that and i think it gives actresses a huge complex when they have to do scenes like that and it's much easier for us guys but um as i've said many times before though that the male penis looks like a rotten root vegetable and deserves to be covered up no one wants to see it it's not an attractive thing to have (laughs) not attractive at all at least at least nature could have given it some color. Like, look, there's cranberry. You know, like, I don't know, something. Again, Chris, you can still do that. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, my God. I, don't even have one. I wouldn't even get a tattoo on my arm, much less, like, this region. is. There's no chance that's going to happen. Right. Um, but uh, with Pompeii, what was the... I haven't, I haven't seen Pompeii yet, uh, um, mm-hmm. but what... What's the story? I mean, obviously, I assume it's the story of Pompeii, but is it leading up to the moments before, or what? What can you talk about? Yeah, what I what I really liked about the premise, about the idea, was that um, we have these cocoon bodies, these um, shells that were filled in with concrete, and we can see what people were doing in their last moments of their life. And so the film is bookended with looking at these these sort of. There's very famous ones of a pregnant woman clutching her belly, a man covering his face, someone praying, two people kissing. It, I mean, it's fascinating to think how these people a millennia ago might have been, um, what they might have done on the last days before it went off. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to play with. So we, we basically, we follow um, a gladiator who, who's taken from Brita- Britannia, who's me. He's taken over to Pompeii and is forced to fight for his for his life, his whole family's been killed, and we follow uh, a rather um, a noble woman, a young noble lady who who is you know is in Pompeii, and they sort of meet each other, encounter encounter each other, and there there's a huge class divide, and then the volcano goes off, which completely evens the playing field for for both of them, which again was a nice little story to tell. And on top of it, it's it's a movie that you know we all know or think we know of the story about Pompeii and how the volcano went off, but it's never been screened because you didn't have the CGI or 3D technology to do it. And actually, it's pretty accurate, we think, to what happened on the on the day, as far as we know. And so you get to see what a massive volcano, volcanic explosion would look like, which I think is very exciting. It is. Um, I, I always get. If I think about it too much, it sort of twists my brains in, in, into into pretzel shapes of just of you know one moment, and then it's everything just yeah. and they're just frozen there, yeah, forever. Well, it was an entire day. I, see, I I did my fact checking after the movie finished. <laughs> All through the movie, I was going, "This went on for an entire day." Like, are you sure? Because I thought everyone died in seconds. And they went, "No, no, no, it did," and. and it was a whole sequence of events. People died over the period of a day, and then a big pyroclastic flow, as it's called, which is hot ash, came in and covered everything. So it was a long, it was a horrific event and a long process. And some people did escape. It didn't kill everyone. Yeah. So it's um, I I I I enjoyed watching it when it was finished because you you could 
you know the you could really sort of invest in the explosion and and, and the kind of, <laughs> yeah i loved it i loved it were you a history guy yeah, I loved it. I, I did history at A-level. That was another thing that I was interested in. Oh, very not, fancy. Not ancient Roman history, but um, I did. I, look, I studied... What did I study? It was something ultimately hugely boring. It was like, <laughs> the, like the building of the canals in middle, you know, in the middle of the 17th century in England. So maybe that put me off somewhat. I've always... I, I, I... You know, as an American, um, being able to go over and, and seeing, like, really, really, really old things, uh-huh. it, uh, I mean, you guys are all used to that shit, but, but for us, we're just like, they're, they're hundreds of years old, you know, like, and we have parts of our country, but our, our part of the country is very young. I mean, we're, in, you know, mm-hmm. one of the youngest parts of the United States here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I feel like travel is important connecting with history is important i mean like you know and and i think it's one of the reasons that we get spoiled of having a country that's so vast is that we sort of feel like well, we got everything here what do we need to go see anything else for what are we what else do we need you know but to really go and sort of see like sort of like this brick wall like sedimentary cultures where it's like this was a culture and then not a culture anymore, and then this built on top of this, and then this built on top of this, and this built on top of this. And at the very heart of it, very little changes amongst humans. You know, we we develop technology and we develop an industrial revolution. But what I like about Pompeii is that the story of two people meeting and falling in love is 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 timeless. So, um, I yeah, I get why um, why. Americans don't, or there's you know some horrible statistic about how you know how many Americans don't own a passport, but I get that because you come to your country and you it's just there's every different state has a different feeling or vibe and um, I, I I I get why some people wouldn't leave. I it is urge really- people to go and see Pompeii and go and come to London, but I get I get the the the, the reasons behind it. Does it? it- have you, you, if you ever get a chance, like just taking a week or two to just drive across America, it really is a beautiful. I mean, mm. you'll see more fucking corn than you've ever seen in your entire <laughs> life. But it, but it really is, you know, especially if you're used to growing up in a city where everything's packed together, just sort of feeling like there's nothing for miles and miles. I mean, you probably get that in Ireland, uh, uh, you know, but it, it really is, uh, America really is a, is a pretty country. Yeah. It's it, well, from what I've seen, it very much is. I quite like to do the Midwest. I quite like to drive across, but um, I don't know. I think I go insane driving for all that time. I don't <laughs> you know. Do, maybe you I do go a little crazy. So much corn. Well, you start. You know, my girlfriend and I did a couple of years ago, and you, you know, and and we were sort of driving in like four to five hundred mile increments. Uh huh. And you start the day at like eleven. You know, like lazy draw. It's like eleven. We'll start driving, and then, and then that's it. Yeah, and you're just all like, excited at the top. Yeah, and then, and then yeah, that's it. Now yeah. what do we do? Like, you, it's funny that in the middle of uh, the widest space that you've ever been in, you could feel completely imprisoned. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what are we oh, I'm do? massively. Is it agrophobic? Agrophobic, uh, uh, agoraphobic, like going outside. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going outside, going to massively big spaces, I find very disconcerting. Really? Yeah. I used to have that, but over large bodies of water. Yeah, or, or or swimming in large. Bodies. Oh yes, yeah. oh, the fear of, of that huge—it's vertigo, that massive amount of space underneath you, and you're floating. When I'm watching, like if I watch like Discovery Channel, and then like someone's swimming, and then like a whale shark goes underneath <laughs> them, I just start to get like, like I have a huge fear of sunken ships. If what? I was to dive, I would hate to go near a sunken ship. Oh really? I don't know what I don't know what that's about. I don't know. I, I think it's. Uh, do you th- is that a death thing or is it a is it I don't know what that is That's, it's just it's large submerged objects I think part where of, do we pick up these fears where does it come you from you know the truth of the matter is that it was probably something that happened to you when you were a baby like yeah. something you saw an image of something and it just imprinted and your wiring just went and then yeah I don't like that and then, yeah <laughs> but I totally understand that because it's it's that feeling of uh, insignificance, I think, where yeah. you're like, well, here's a, 
you know, we think our bodies are it. We're the top of the food chain and we're the... But then when you realize, like, oh, no, we're not. We're not. We're just <laughs> these tiny little specks of dandruff that at any moment, you know, dandruff, could just yeah. get, like, brushed off the planet. Like, that's where I... I, I totally feel that stuff, if too. If I get reincarnated and come back as dandruff, I'm going to be really pissed <laughs> We might be, man. Who knows if we're not just cosmic dandruff here on the scalp of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> well, now there's, you know, like, now there are... People working on the theory that the universe as we know it is essentially a mathematical simulation. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's the new one. That's the new one right now. That, that mathematically, it's like, you know, we are essentially like a, a, the equivalent of a computer simulation right. happening. I don't buy into that. No. <laughs> I don't buy into that one. But then I think at the very end of the day, if you really look at it, it all doesn't make sense anyway. So why not? That's just, a, yeah, just that's as just good as a theory as whatever I could come up with. We might be at the bottom of a pirate ship. It's a. That's gonna be really <laughs> fucked up if you actually get cast in a movie where you have <laughs> have to philosophize like this. No, no, no. Where you have to like you have to like. Okay. I wouldn't take it. I genuinely wouldn't take it. You wouldn't take it like a pirate ship. I genuinely no, no. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean six, the submerged depths or something. So you're no, okay with absolutely. the you're okay with it's like floating in a working ship, but if it's if it's wreckage, yeah, then that that that's not not so good. Titanic, the movie. You know when they swim the thing down and the, the you know. The, oh, yeah. Submarine, they look, that, fr- that freaks me out more than Saw 3 or whatever. That, that really, really kind of scares me. That one I, could totally, that one I totally understand. Yeah. That one I totally understand because it's, it's... Oh, man. There was a photo series online and it, there was an abandoned school. Yeah. And someone had gone in and basically just superimposed... I'll send you the link if you want it, but it superimposed photographs in the space... That was na- like spaces that were now completely dilapidated, mm-hmm. but just like one little snapshot in the middle where they lined up the room, right? And it was like that's when, with like just school pictures of students, you know, like having debate class or in the science lab. So you just see like this little four or five square inches of like students in a science lab, but all the outer edges are essentially just this completely dilapidated, yeah. run down, fucked up. And I, I had such a profound sadness looking at it. Because it just felt like this is what happens. There, here is like here is the a, a peanut of life nestled <laughs> in with all this decay. And it it, it I, I, at first I thought, oh, this is really cool. And then each one there were like twenty one pictures, and I was just like, I just got sadder and sadder, and you know, like it totally freaked me out. Yeah, it's that kind of thing, but submerged ships, <laughs> <laughs> where the school is a treasure boat, yeah. which is now. Have you ever been on a cruise before? God, no. <laughs> no offense to people who like cruises, but I can't think of anything worse than being trapped on a ship. I didn't think it would be good, but it actually is not bad. Oh, you went on one? Yeah, I've been on a couple. Yeah. I had to go on for work, um, and I was resistant to the idea, but I had to go for work. And, it, you know, they're so fucking massive that it's like being in a mall with a motel attached to it. <laughs> and then every once in a while you look out and you go, oh, yeah, there's nothing around. It's just water. And then, and then I was okay. It's a floating town. It's, it? a, it's a floating town. Like, they're so big now. I don't think I would be able to... I don't think I'd be able to be on, like, a little sailboat and then just take off into the ocean. I think that, that's, that, that would be too overwhelming. Yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't do that either. Um, I, 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 like, I like the idea behind cruises... But if I get to a, a place and I've got a day there, I'd want to stay longer. Yeah. I think that's my problem with them as well. What types of stuff do you like to do when you, when you go to an area? I like to travel on my own, generally. I like to, because um, I find you, well, I used to. when I, when I, I can't remember the last time I went traveling, but um, I quite like that you meet people along the way uh, in a way that you wouldn't meet if you were with, if you're with people. You, you, you're forced to interact with, with travelers yeah. around you. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm. I think my next place I'd go is probably South America. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could end up in Brazil for this, this sort of summer. If I, I haven't got time, but I would love. Costa Rica's to. pretty nice if you ever yeah. get a chance. Oh yeah, I hear. No, I got to go to Costa Rica. Yeah. But there's a lot of places in Europe that I still haven't been, and there's a lot of I still haven't been to Japan. Still mm. haven't been to Iceland. Go, go to Iceland, um, and. Go and just sort of enjoy Reykjavik and enjoy the country because it's an amazing, amazing place. Is it? A, do you um, 
would you, should I stay in Reykjavik or should I go like just like start driving and just get into don't the don't start don't <laughs> please promise me you won't just start driving okay okay no get a guide otherwise you can get lost but you get a kind of I think I mean we were lucky we were thrown so we were sort of um, we were shown it through you know with a with a big film company with us but um, I think get a guide and go around and and sort of drink with the locals and you know they're they're brilliant it's the people that are incredible in Iceland as well yeah they're absolutely you know completely insane and I love them for it are you able to just walk up and start talking to people um are you are you are you extra are you extroverted they they will walk up and talk to you oh okay yeah um I know I I I I can walk up and start talking to people (laughs) it sometimes goes better than other times but (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's weird doing that now though that there's some sort of worldwide recognition of the show sure and if you go up and talk to people now and they recognize you from the show they're like why are you coming up and talking to me <laughs> why has Jon Snow just decided to come up and have a chat see you have the you could, you could totally have the worst like dad joke pickup lines looks like Snow is here Jon Snow hi nice to meet you Game of Thrones there's so many <laughs> my friend dared me to do that and I couldn't I couldn't do it he said go alright because we were playing dares and I said alright you've got to go and like you've got to go dance with that girl like really badly but just go and dance with her and he did it and then he came back and he said well, it's your turn and I was like okay and he went you've got to go up to that girl over there and you've got to say hi I'm Kit Harrington I play Jon Snow on Game of Thrones it's lovely to meet you like and I just couldn't I couldn't <laughs> do no it there's no way to do it I went up and I went hi I'm I'm sorry, I can't do this and walked away. <laughs> because it's so cringe. I just couldn't, I couldn't do that. It's not possible. No. No, I, 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 I know. I, I just, I'm no good at, uh, I, get, I get really like, it's a kind of a kind of agoraphobia, but just like in public spaces when there's other people, like I just can't. I, yeah. just, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, I just, I've never been good at just walking up and talking to people. I don't know what I think is going to happen. It's, it, try it. Give it a go. No, Promise it's my fucking treasure ship. <laughs> Just try and have some backup support around you. That I mean, I don't think we do it enough nowadays. I think people are uh, again getting back into that, but people are so like this that we don't actually go and interact. Well, enough. my girlfriend is so extroverted. I feel like I've had a negative effect on her because I've sort of, by virtue of how I am, I've forced her to introvert a little bit. Right. She'll, she'll be in an elevator with people and she'll be like, "Oh, that's a really great oh, shirt. No, no, Those no. are great shoes." And I'm like, "Please get out." Yeah, no, I, you should come to the UK because there's something very strange in this country that if you get into a, an elevator, people start talking to you. It just does not happen in the UK. <laughs> if there's, there's an unwritten rule, like the rule in the men's toilet, that you don't go and pee in the, same, in the next urinal next to someone. That's right. There's an unwritten rule that if you're in an elevator in England, or a lift as we call them, you just don't, you shut down. That's the even, way to do it. Even if you're, like, with a friend, you shut down. You, don't, you just don't talk for the time I you're there. I knew I was more British than American. Yeah. That's the way to do it. The, the, I had a, you just reminded me of a really horrible bathroom experience I had once where I was at a urinal, and it was, the bathroom was crowded, so it was the kid's urinal. Right. And I already am not, like, there's dudes just right here, and I'm, you know, I get, I'm a little gun-shy about the whole situation, but I'm <laughs> dealing with it. I'm doing some breathing exercises and letting it happen. And all of a sudden I hear I hear these little like footsteps of a, these tiny little like getting closer. Daddy, daddy, he's at my toilet. And I feel a finger poke like into the back of my buttocks, this tiny little hand. And it was just the most awkward because I don't and I'm peeing and there's a child and oh, the father and the, other yeah. people are looking. And so I'm like, I don't I don't. <laughs> It's the only time I've ever been able to cut off midstream and then just and just duck out. I was so so stressed out. I've got a friend called James. One of my best friends called James is the most gun shy person you've ever met. <laughs> it's the funnest thing. He'll go. I'm I'm just going to the loo, and he has to wait till everyone else is out of out of the the restroom, the the loo, and he'll go in and 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 then as he's just about to pee, you just walk in and he can't. <laughs> How's it going in there? James Cannon, everybody. <laughs> is it Cannon? Cannon. Oh, Cannon. Yeah. That'd have been funny if it was Cannon. It's gonna kill me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now wherever that guy, we're gonna find that guy, and he's never gonna be able to go to the bathroom in public again. He really has a problem with it. He can't pee. See, this is good though. This you're 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 giving him therapy. You're trying to counsel him through this so that he. No, has we're to- not. No, we're not. We're just. It's just endlessly hilarious. <laughs> 
Well, we're almost at an hour. I mean, actually, yeah, we're right about at an hour. This was the podcast. We did, we did it. We did it, yeah. I hope you had a nice time. It was really, you know, we didn't really get a chance to say, Comic-Con is such a mad, well, especially for you, I would yeah. imagine. It's such a madhouse. But it's always, you know, I always feel like I have brushes with people. I'm like, oh, I'd like to talk to that guy more. She seems cool. But then there's just never any time and at Comic-Con. people are getting whisked away this way and that way. And, yeah, it is, it is, it is a madhouse. I, I really love it. But you, you don't get a chance to properly interact with people sometimes. Does it, does it um, are you able to kind of absorb it at all when, you know, as I remember when I introduced you and of the panel like people shit their pants the most when you came out like Kid Harrington it's just ah, like 7,000 <laughs> people flipping out yeah well Thrones is so big there it's you know it's 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 one of the things that I think is, is quite big at Comic Con and, and but I find I find that whole panel thing strange because you're whisked around and you're so busy and you get interviewed here and doing this and doing that and then the only actual silent time is when you're sat in front of about 5,000 people <laughs> And you can go, and 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 your publicist isn't isn't there, so she can't grab you, and like you're just there, and it's nice and silent, and um, yeah. And then you said, "What if I took my penis out?" What right if? Now? Yeah. What if, <laughs> what what if, if I, I just, just my, showed my ass right now? What if I just did that right now? <laughs> what would be stopping me now? The next time people see you on a Game of Thrones panel. They will know. That's probably where your brain is going. Yeah, there is a there is a slight risk of it happening. And judging by the reaction from Hall H, they would probably be fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way you want to go. Uh, Kit, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure. Good luck with Pompeii, and good luck with the next. Se- have you are, are you have you shot? You have good. You shot. Yeah, because they just put the teaser trailer on. Yeah, yeah, we shot. We finished at the end of last year, so it's coming out April, s- right? April sixth, I believe. Yeah, it's going to be a. Big one. Very excited. It's going to be a big one. It was pretty. Uh, John was pretty fucked up the last time we saw him. Yeah, yeah, he was, and um, I can't say anything. I know it's so hard. You literally can't say anything. It's so action packed this season. It's so, and 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 it, I think they're going to do really amazing things because they they, for a crass way of putting it, they threw so much money at it this year that it's yeah. it, and everyone really turned up with their performances. I think so. Yeah, it's it's going to be good. Excellent. Thanks, man. It's good to see you. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them, In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.